the NAGAP Report, the official podcast of NAGAP, the Association for Graduate Enrollment Management. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the NAGAP Report podcast. I am one of your hosts, Lauren McGowan, and today I am talking to a fellow Lauren, Lauren Kisak, who is the Associate Director for Graduate Admissions at Canisius College. And I am very excited to chat with her because Canisius has been doing some unique and interesting things with recruiting and keeping their own undergraduate population for their grad program. So hopefully we will all be able to learn from what they're doing. I'm really excited to talk with her. So hello, Lauren, welcome. And thanks for being with us today. Hello, thank you for having me. Of course. So Lauren, tell us a little bit more first about Canisius as an institution and maybe your role there. Yes, so Canisius is a small private Jesuit college in Buffalo. Our grad enrollment for last fall probably around 764. So we are fairly small um, in the grand scheme of things. And on the undergrad side, we're around 2,213. So I like to kind of phrase that going into this because we know in grad enrollment that not one particular strategy works for all, um, but hopefully just to give you an idea of what we're working with and maybe people can take away different aspects of our strategies that could be helpful at their own institution. That's great. And so in terms of your graduate admissions office, then I would assume you guys are, you said, pretty centralized. Um, So you're kind of overseeing all of the graduate programs for Canisius in your office? Yes. So we have over 30 plus programs at the grad level, including master's and advanced certificates. Uh, We predominantly will keep all of that in-house and review applications on our side. Uh, We have a few programs that will do so by the committee or the department but it's really helped to kind of be able to streamline things on our end since we can control a lot of these processes. Awesome. So as an institution, what sort of enrollment challenges or opportunities were you all seeing that made you want to focus on this undergraduate population of yours? Yes. So we had a new vice president that came in and she brought with her a lot of data-driven strategies. So she worked with our department really to better analyze our numbers and what that meant for the different types of recruitment strategies we were going to implement. We knew that Canisius has consistently been a top feeder for us, and we have pretty strong conversion numbers, but we were losing ground with some prospects from other schools. So we decided that we know we had to keep those external pipelines, as most do, But we couldn't forget about our own students. And maybe there were some opportunities to really get to our own undergrads that maybe never thought of us or didn't even know that we had grad programs at the school that they attended. So we started to just brainstorm how we could really get to those students. We also had an ongoing issue of we're coming up on two years of lower freshman class numbers that now affect us at the grad level. So things you don't even think about when you have a lower freshman class, those are our students four years down the road. So we're coming up on two classes that are a little bit lower. So we had to brainstorm ideas of how to get to more of our undergrads, the ones that we still have. 
Plus the pandemic did not help in those retention numbers for that group. So it makes it even more difficult on our end to keep them interested, but also realizing how can we really push them more to stay at Canisius and continue on with their grad program. I think a lot of schools can kind of relate to that. I think many of us we know that our own students are one of our biggest sources, you know, mm-hmm. of future grad students. But I think you're right that sometimes, you know, we kind of forget that it's almost a given, you know, and so we don't really strategically think about our own students and recruiting them maybe as much as we should. So yeah, I completely agree with you. You guys sounds like you are trying to kind of capitalize on the strengths you know you have to close some gaps elsewhere, which I think is a strategy we could all use. (laughs) So tell us a little bit more in detail, if you could, about what tactics you and your team developed to try to target these students, identify, you know, who these students were and try to convince them to stay at Canisius for grad school. Yeah. So we developed two tactics. So the first was a pre-acceptance campaign, and this was for certain graduate programs. The other tactic was a more general campaign that was offering suggested programs at the grad level based on their undergrad major. So we looked at our program offerings. For our MBA specifically, it's open to any undergrad major. And we knew that going in, so we thought anybody can do this program. So our pre-accept campaign, we worked with the MBA program director, made sure that she was on board with what we were trying to do. We then pulled a list of graduating seniors. We got that from the registrar's office. Anybody that had applied for graduation, we were able to pull a list from. We vetted the list for GPA, just making sure that we were pulling candidates who would be eligible for the program. We then created a simple slates form. We're a slate school. So we took a look at our application, which was about eight pages, and we were able to scale that down to just a one-page form knowing we have all the information on these students because they're our own students. So we put together that one-page form, made it very easy for them. We then wrote up email that was from the program director and sent it out. It had a link right in there that they could click on this pre-acceptance and that would be the next step in applying to the program. We tried to make it a little bit special for them, positioning it as this is partly based on their achievements as an undergraduate make them feel selected. And our thought was, you know, why wait for them to apply? If we know all this information ahead of time, we know that they could be a good fit for our program. Why not throw it out there and see what they do? So it was a lot easier to kind of pull that information, put it together and send it out as a pre-accept campaign. I'm curious Mm -hmm. now because going from obviously eight pages of an application down to one, what kind of questions are on that one page? Obviously our our biographical information and all of that data that they use to fill out on your undergraduate application is still in there. So what were the things that you all thought, hey, we really still need to get this additional information from them if they're truly interested in enrolling in this program? So basically it was taking that that biographical, we knew we needed that, that was a given, as you said, put that in there, making sure it was all up to date. The only really specifics that we had to find out. So our MBA has a few different options. So we gave them a list of the programs that they could potentially select and also which entry term that they wanted to start in. So we shortened it so much to the fact that we cut out a lot of the extra unnecessary things like recommendation letters, even a personal statement, a resume. We didn't collect any of that 
if we wanted to get their resumes, oftentimes the Career Services Center on campus may have it if they've gone to them before. So there are other ways that we could collect it if we needed it. Uh, but again, because we collaborated with the program director for MBA, she did not need those things. So we went by the path of least resistance. What can we get access to that we need? And then what are essential pieces that we would need from them, which really became kind of that first page of Slate, the biographical piece. And then for them just selecting which program and entry term that they wanted to start in. Great. So, I mean, obviously it sounds like getting buy-in from the program directors and the faculty to be okay with this and with paring it down that much is imperative, it sounds like. Yes, especially because the email was essentially coming from that person. So that collaboration was key. Not only did we work with her on kind of vetting the list for students, but also in constructing that email that would come from her and making sure that she was comfortable with the pieces of information that we were collecting, if there was anything else that she would need, that's really how we were able to do it and make it effective by working well with the program director. Have other faculty seeing the success of this maybe, or you know, now that you have somebody who is willing to do it, have you been able to or started working on recruiting other program directors or faculty members to do this similar sort of <laughs> yes, um, exactly. similar thing? Exactly. So MBA was pretty much our test run for how this would look, how it would go, what could we learn from it. That second year that we implemented, we expanded to our sport programs as well as our teacher education program. So we were able to show results from what we saw from the MBA round and then brought on board a few other programs for this second year of implementing this piece. So tell us more about those results. Um, when he sent all that stuff out, what happened? Were students excited, confused? What, how did it go? At the start, a little, a little confusion, yes, because that first year it seemed to come out of nowhere. Suddenly you were pre-accepted to this program. And I, I tell the story that we had a student that actually interviewed for a grad assistantship. He was in this undergrad major of digital media arts that we typically did not ever see students from. And he mentioned in his interview that he was offered a pre-acceptance. That that's, that's the reason why he chose this program. He never thought of doing an MBA, but he got that pre-acceptance and it really helped to solidify for him that that was something that he was interested in. So we saw a little bit of comments from students, but also we saw it in the numbers that students were clicking on the link they were filling out the form, and that just helped to show faculty that it's something small, but it's it saw results. We saw students come into the program, and we saw students that we may never have saw before because they didn't even know it was an option for them, especially based on their major. So this sounds like it maybe leads into your the second tactic that you had mentioned before about maybe educating people about what you offer. So tell us a little bit more about that that second tactic you mentioned. Yes. So. Clearly, not all of our programs are going to be as flexible in allowing us to just throw out a pre-acceptance to as many students as, as possible. So we have some programs that, and I'm sure you know, other schools know that they have very specific requirements and a pre-acceptance is not something that could be possible for them based on whatever factors that they have going on. Sometimes it's accreditation, sometimes it's just the nature of the program. So our second tactic was we have the list of graduating seniors. We're going to give them information about graduate school, but make it a little bit more specific and personalized to them. So again, we went through our list of program offerings. 
we also went through our list of undergrad majors. Which ones are good lead-ins to these graduate programs? Do we have data to support that we see this many majors come into this program? So we sent them an email, again through Slate, that just showed them different options. Why a grad degree? What is it about a master's degree that could be beneficial for them in their career? We framed it as you know, continuing on and gaining skills or entering a completely new field and taking on additional things that could get them to the job that they want. So we were able to put in information about our graduate programs. We did two options for them based on their major. So the text that we put in was based on your undergrad major, you might be a good fit for this program or this program and linked it so that way we can monitor their clicks if they were clicking on the program and were engaging in the content. We also then said it would be a fairly easy process to apply and try to push them in that way. So that way it wasn't offering them a pre-acceptance, but it was offering them information that they may not have received before about different opportunities that exist based on their undergrad major. Great. It almost seems like a little bit of career counseling, right? You're kind of helping them to find what direction they might want to go in, which is great. And even if they don't choose your program at Canisius, they're probably going to think that you guys are all really being helpful <laughs> um, and nice providing the information that might point them in a direction they may not have thought of. So that's, that's awesome. So as you're implementing these new strategies, what worked really well were there any challenges that you came across that you didn't expect? You know, tell us a little bit more about kind of that initial process and what you came across, kind of good and bad. Yes. Uh, so I'll start with the good, maybe. <laughs> so it was definitely the ease of applying. Sometimes we've seen, and maybe others have seen too, your own students at the undergrad level don't think that they have to apply for grad school. They think that they can just continue on and it will be an easy process. So making that one page form as easy as possible really helped with that transition from applying to grad school versus thinking I can just sign up for graduate classes. Also, the tracking abilities that we had in Slate and taking a look at those campaigns, who was clicking on what, we could then send program directors a follow-up list of undergrad students who have clicked on their program pages, and then those program directors could send a follow-up email to those students saying, hi, I saw that you're interested in our program. Oftentimes, because again, we're a small school, some of our program directors also teach at the undergrad level. So they're already familiar with those students. So they were able to say, oh, I saw that you either received a pre-acceptance or I saw that you're interested in this program and they could follow up with more layered communication pieces. The challenges. <laughs> we didn't realize the amount of guidance and direction that a lot of these students needed. So I think there could even be more follow-up pieces on how to do these next steps, how to figure out the plan for them. Timing was probably our biggest challenge. When in the year is the best time to send this out? For my education programs, I had an instance where a student was no longer going to be able to graduate from that program. And because I vetted the list against one of the faculty members, I was able to pull that person, but I was only able to pull that person because of the time and when I was about to send it, which was about March. But for some, we thought we maybe missed them. You know, looking at your competitors and when their application deadlines are, maybe we were too late to the game in putting that pre-acceptance out. So timing will probably continue to be an issue and a challenge. 
especially with we know that the landscape of recruitment is shifting and changing. And when students are looking at grad school, when they're applying, it's not the same way that they were two years ago. So that is a challenge in itself of figuring out when is the best time to send this out. Is it too early? Is it too late? Do we get them at the right time? The way that they also search for grad programs, we did not realize that how they were searching. Uh, <laughs> <Tell me> luckily, <laughs> yes, luckily. So I'm also an adjunct, so I can see the undergrads. I'm with them in the classroom, which has really opened my eyes to how they go about searching for grad programs. And I don't know that they're doing it in the way that we would assume. I think we know how we can search for something. And sometimes we might take that for granted and assuming that students also know. I tell a story that I had a student that when I asked him about grad school, he said, oh, I'm going to go to this school. I said, that's great. What program? He said, MBA. And I knew in my head that that school doesn't offer an MBA program. And I had him pull up the school and I said, where are you looking for this? They don't even know how to find the grad programs on the website. So it was eye-opening to see that they're searching for things in a completely different way than we would assume they should be going to the website, looking at programs. They're not doing that. So that was Mm -hmm. really a challenge of thinking they're doing something when really they're not doing it in that way. And how can we better give them information so that way they are informed and are finding the right programs at the right school? That is interesting to me too. I, I'm shocked to hear that because <laughs> just like you, I assumed that people would be Googling, you know, <laughs> but yeah, if they have, was that, I mean, was that person just interested in that specific school and kind of assumed yes. they had exactly. all the programs? Interesting. Exactly. Okay. Hmm. I even, I even do, I show students how to get to a website and how to navigate a website. I had one student that she thought she was looking at a counseling program and was ready to, to apply to the school she was actually on the department page. They didn't even have a counseling program at the grad level that she was looking for. So mm-hmm. simple things, again, that we think are easy to find. Students are not navigating the website in the same way that we would. That's great to know. Is there anything else that that you came across when you were implementing these things that were sort of unexpected or surprising? Besides that, obviously, that's a good example. Um, but anything else that you kind of uh, had to navigate that you maybe wouldn't have anticipated? Yes. I would say this one is surprising, but also not surprising at the same time. We requested the list of students who applied for graduation, thinking that everybody was on the list. But we should know better than that, that not all students have applied for graduation. So we had to shift and ask for a list of currently enrolled seniors. And we thought, if they don't graduate in May, that's fine. We can still offer it to them because maybe they graduate in August or December. The pre-acceptance will still hold. But we missed a large group of students because they had never actually applied for graduation. So we had to change what we were asking for based on how the students were going about applying for graduation or not applying for graduation in this case. Interesting. That also kind of harkens back to the timing issue. I think that you mentioned before as well, where if you're trying to pull that list too early before they're supposedly, you know, supposed to be applying, then you're going to miss a bunch of those students. So that's a great point. I wouldn't have have thought about the timing aspect of it, you know, but I, I definitely can see how that would be a challenge, not wanting to send it or reach out to those students too soon, but also not wanting to be 
behind, you know, all of your competitors or other schools that they may be looking into and everybody sort of has their own timeline. So that's a, that's a great point. So in all of this, you know, that you've done so far, what, what do you think, or what do you hope that other schools can kind of learn from what you've done and, and the experience that you guys have had implementing this at Kanisha's? I think the biggest piece would just be the collaboration factor and fostering those relationships across campus because there are other offices that can help with this. We connected with our career services center and we've done presentations to undergrad students. We go to career day and for them knowing that we are doing these initiatives, they also help push that message out for us. So wherever you can find offices that are kind of already doing something similar or working with students or even like undergrad faculty, you know, connecting those pieces together. So that way our message isn't the first time that they're hearing about it. There are certain things across campus that we could collaborate on and implement where they know a pre-acceptance might be a possibility for them. Or we put posters up around campus that talk about continue on at Canisius, you know, stay for grad school. We're trying to continue that message through And even we're also educating our undergrad counselors who are working with the incoming freshmen that you have graduate options. They're finding that they're getting even more questions from parents now about what about grad school? What about the master's degree? How can they do this quickly? So trying to implement these things across campus, across different departments, I think is really something that helped us and something that could be helpful for other institutions if they're able to do so. Yeah. And I think that that may be one advantage, I would think, of being a smaller school or a smaller program is that hopefully forming those connections or at least identifying the people, you know, who it would be valuable to form those connections with is a little bit easier. I really love the the strategy that you all put in place with offering a few different potential graduate programs. I really like that you did that, but I could also see how that might be more challenging in a school that is a lot bigger or, you know, how do you decide which options you're presenting them with if there are a lot more to to choose from. So lots of things to consider with that for sure. Anything else you want to share about the results, what you saw, positive outcomes from this? Yeah, I think, I think positive outcomes would just be, I know I've talked about collaboration, but keeping the faculty up to date too. So our program directors know that this is something that they could implement if possible, or knowing that we are, that we're working together for, you know, one, one goal is to enroll students. And I know too, and I had a couple people when, when we did this proposed or did this presentation came up and said, like, I'm a larger school. How could I implement something like this? And we yeah. said, start small. You know, if it's, if you are working in just with one program, you know, maybe finding one undergrad program that's willing to work with you on it. And if you start small and then you can show results and say, well, we recruited this many students internally because we started this initiative, then you have data to back it up and can go to other departments, or it might even catch on if somebody hears about it, what what are you doing over there? And then they want to become involved with it because at the end of the day, it's for the good of the university. So it might be tricky to implement. And that's why I kind of started off with just knowing that we're a small school, but I think there are different strategies here, techniques that could be implemented on a small scale that hopefully maybe 
in the long run could end up helping at a larger scale as well. Definitely. I think you're right that sometimes we make it unnecessarily difficult for students when really, you know, to your point, we have a lot of information already that we have access to about them. And so I love what you guys have done with simplifying and trying to streamline that process for your students. I'm assuming that you don't charge an application fee to fill out that one page form. Would that be correct? Right. So we don't have an application fee. We also, we do have a, a tuition deposit. Okay. We will waive it for our own students. So okay. we put those pieces in there to have, you know, added benefits to completing this pre-acceptance or staying on. We'll take care of your transcripts. We'll waive your deposit, mm -hmm. different things that we can just add incentive to. And I think one thing that we also looked at was the grad recruitment is also shifting a little bit in that students' expectations are sometimes now what they expected at the undergrad level. So we're finding that students at the grad level are assuming that they're going to get all of this information or um, upon their acceptance, receive a financial aid package like they did at the undergrad level. So we also had to look at what our undergrad office was doing and try and take some strategies from there, knowing that our students are kind of expecting that same situation for when they apply to grad school and when they are accepted. So that's been something that we had to look at as well. And then it also includes parents at the grad level too. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, so it sounds like you're finding that students want more guidance and kind of want more detailed information similar to the undergraduate level. What are, are you doing anything for parents just because, because you mentioned it, I'm, I'm interested how you involve them, if at all. Yes. So when we request that list of seniors, we also request parent emails and then we hit them with digital ads about continuing on at Canisius. The parents? So we did. Yes. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Yes, we did. We have, we had that as, as a digital aspect to this campaign. Mm -hmm. because we know, again, that parents are still influential at the grad level. And that was one thing that we got from the undergrad side. Definitely. Well, and I would assume that most of your undergraduates at Canisius are typical college age, kind of 18 to early 20-year-old students and not people going back to school generally. Would that be accurate? Right. That's why we were looking yeah. at the demographics, the makeup of our undergrad class in order to put these initiatives into place. Awesome. Well, this has been great. You've given us tons of food for thought and really a lot of encouragement when it comes to working across units and, you know, with your colleagues throughout the school. So thank you. Um, any last thoughts, words of advice, things you want to impart before we sign off? Let's say if you're, if you're able to do it, try it, see what happens. We are now in a time where we have to think creatively and outside of the box to recruit these students. So I think anything and everything's kind of on the table. So if you can do it, I hope it, it works to some degree. And if you have any questions, you can always let me know. Thanks so much, Lauren, for talking with me today. This was fantastic. So hopefully it inspires everybody to get creative with their recruitment strategies and to not overlook their own undergraduate population. Exactly. You can't forget about them. Can't forget about them. All right. Thanks and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You as well. Thanks again to all of you for listening to the NAGAP Report podcast. You can visit the NAGAP.org website for more episodes and helpful resources, including the new blog. Until next time.